Should retirement living expenses be drawn from your stable value fund, your CD, your money market? What about your brokerage account? Or what about FDIC-insured bank accounts? Can you even trust the banks after the recent bank failures? What about sequence of returns risk? Which investments are best for long-term retirement savings when you're early in your career? Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 424, Joe and Big Al explain why your strategy for retirement savings and withdrawals should be your first step before you consider investments or asset classes or sectors. I'm producer Andy Last with the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. Get your money questions answered. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Big Al on air to send them in as an email or a priority voice message like this one. Good morning, Joe, Big Al, and Andy. Sharon from Waukesha. First, thank you for your podcast again. One of my faves. I'm still driving the 2016 Honda CRV, still catering to my two rescue cats, Izzy and Baby, and I wouldn't turn down a cup or two of red wine. Hey, a couple questions around stable value funds and the and the use, the purpose of them, I guess. I have a stable value fund. It's called the annual fixed rate fund in my 401k. Although really my main question is figuring out where to pull money for living expenses in 2024. I retired at the end of 2021 and I'm currently draining all my cash as I ride out this down market. The cash runs out end of 2023. My annual expenses are about 55K. I've already rolled my 401k into an IRA, but I do have some funds in my 401k, specifically 58K in a 2030 target fund and I have 41K in a stable value fund. It's a stable value fund that I'm really kind of looking at. Current return rate on this fund is 5%. Average return rate has been 5% or higher since inception, 1997. Zero fees associated with this stable value fund. I know, I've asked you a question about this before in the past and you have sounded skeptical, but there are zero fees. Expense ratio as of 2022 is zero. Purchase fee, none. Redemption fee, none. 12B fee, none, unless I'm missing a hidden fee. So does it make sense to draw down on this stable value fund for living expenses in 2024, or it's just better to tap my brokerage account? Is there any value in rolling that 2013 target fund of 58K into this stable value fund and building it? Or should I just roll both funds in my 401k to my IRA and be done and start draining my brokerage account to cover expenses for the next few years? What are your thoughts really around this stable value fund? What should I do with it? Especially now that savings rates are starting to rise. I currently get 4.2% for my cash savings. Should I be tapping it, keeping it for later, or rolling it into an IRA? Any thoughts? Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Sharon. Sounds like I was back at home. Yeah, right. You can tell that whole Midwest accent. You got it. Yep, you heard that too. Uh, yeah, you betcha I did. Yeah. <laughs> you betcha. Okay. Couple of thoughts. So she's got multiple questions here, kind of baked into one. Yeah, she does. They're they're kind of interrelated, but there's a few different points we'll probably want to make. Maybe we should explain what's a stable value fund. Well, I think before the investment, you got to come up with a strategy. Right. Right. Yeah. And so she's drawing down cash is what she said. Yeah. I, I'm, do we know how old Sharon is from? No. And we also don't know her income. 
which so, we kind of need to know that she wants to live off of $55,000 a year. So right. I don't know if she's, she's claiming social security or not. I don't know if she's got a pension or not. Right. So if she's drawing cash, right. Maybe she shouldn't be drawing cash. Should she be drawing from her 401k at least to, you know, the top of the 10% tax bracket? Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. I had the same thought, but we really don't know what her income is. So, so yeah. So, so the first thing you want to do is look at your taxable income to figure out what tax bracket you're, you're in. And the 12% bracket for it, I assume she's single. You didn't mention a husband, uh, is about $45,000 taxable income right? Which you always get a standard deduction of, uh, what's that, about 13,000-ish. <laughs> so let's just round it up. So income somewhere around 50,000 for a single taxpayer would put you roughly at the top of the 12% bracket, roughly, right? So so then the question is, if your income is 40,000, not 50, so then you actually want to take about 10 grand out of your IRA or 401k to fill up that low bracket right? Because you're going to have to pay tax on that money anyway. So fill up that low bracket. Now, on the other hand, if she's getting big pensions, you know, maybe not because her spending is 55,000 and she's got to use cash to pay for at right, least some right. of it. But if she's taking, she, it sounds like, all right, I'm depleting my cash. And then now I'm going to my brokerage account. Um, and then I'm going to roll this into the IRA. Oh, and by the way, I looked at this investment. Yeah. And the stable value fund is getting 5%. <laughs> Should I take it from there? Yeah. Well, you got to look at the taxation of the account. And then from there, you want to start looking at how you invest those accounts to create the income that you need, especially if you're retired. Yes, that that is the right uh, flow. Right. Yeah. So high level with the stable value fund, you know, if stable value funds are great. They're in 401ks. It's kind of like a pooled investment. So if it's paying you 5%, no fees, yeah, all day long, you, you, you probably want to go into that, especially as you're transitioning into retirement. So by rolling the money out, can you get something comparable? Um, is that a word? Comparable? Comparable. 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 Thank you. <laughs> you were comparable, that works. Yeah. Yeah. It's Joe's language. I like I was in Waukesha. Yeah, you were between comparable and comparable. Yes. <laughs> so sure, in today's interest rate environment, yeah. No, but it, she's got very low fees, no fees, blah, 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 blah. You want to make your life simpler? Do you want to consolidate? But I think she needs an income strategy versus an investment strategy. Right. You could buy something very comparable, like a stable value fund in your brokerage account. Now, right now it's paying four and a half, five percent. Yeah. Can you get um, something fairly safe, close to that today's? Probably not as good. But pretty close. Yeah. Well, even CDs now, in some cases, are paying over 4% or even 4.5%. Right? right. So, so yeah, you probably can. I think that my understanding of stable value funds is the same as you. They're in 401ks only, and they have an insurance component because then if the market goes down, you still get your same payment. And that insurance component does cost money. So, so there are fees inside the, the stable value fund itself. There may not be a purchase Fund fee, redemption, redemption fee, fee, or twelve B one fee. There may not be that. I, I get that, right? But there, someone's got to pay for the insurance, and it's the people that own the funds. So there, there are fees in, in uh, Sharon. In, in your term, hidden. They're, they're usually they're not hidden. They're, they're but they're, they're minimal. But I wouldn't even care. They're minimal, and and it's in it's in what the thirty page summary document that you get. It's just, they're hard to find, is what I'll say. But yeah, that you're getting a good rate of return. But I 100% agree with Joe. It, it's actually 
where you should pull the money out first, and then secondly, how you should be invested. And if you really are getting 5% or more, then that's a great place to be. Now, the stock market over the last 100 years, S&P has earned almost 10. Now, we haven't seen that the last couple of years, right? But uh, just be aware when you have a stable value fund, you're, you're giving up some upside, right, in the market. But what you're getting the is safety. the safety, which, which is which is not bad. Yeah, risk and expected return are related. Yeah. I love 5%, especially for someone's transitioning into retirement or Me in too. retirement. Me too. Um, it, it sounds like she's not a huge spender. Yeah. $55,000 a year. She's probably saved a couple of nickels, yeah. you know? So uh, we don't know what her fixed income sources are. So how much of the portfolio that she needs, and we don't know how big of a portfolio that she has. Yeah. I, I know she's, she's called in or, 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 or wrote us in the past and we could probably do some research, but that's unheard no, that, of for that's, us. That's too much work. <laughs> we, we just take them off the cup. Spitball is, as we say. So hopefully that helps. Yes. Stable value fund, 5%. Put more money into it. Keep it in there. Draw it out, but look at your tax bracket before you start taking it out. Greetings. Andy, Joan, Al, I'm 49. My wife's 48. I'm hoping to transition to semi-retirement part-time work at age 55. I'd like to save for about two to three years in cash by the time I'm 55. Help whether the potential of sequence of return risk scenario like many newly retired may be facing today. Traditionally, I've heard you discuss using an after-tax brokerage account for the cash bucket. My question, based on what I'll need the money in five to six years, would it make sense to keep the money in cash in a CD, currently earning between 4 and 5% or a money market <clears throat> versus risking the cash invested in a brokerage account? My wife and I should have enough in retirement 401ks IRAs to supplement the part-time income at age 55. My drink of choice, Cuba Libre. We have two awesome res rescue dogs, <coughs> Shepherd and Terrier Mix. Kids are awesome too. And they're almost launched. Thank you in advance for your spitball. Yeah, so kids are almost launched, uh, age 49, 48. Yeah, you start thinking about, oh, maybe I don't need to work anymore. Let's let's think about retiring. And if you can retire at 55, fantastic. That's a that's a that's a great goal. All right. <clears throat> so I'm not sure the question is he talking about, okay, when you're 55, again, you have access to the money in your 401ks. If you separate service from that employer at age 55. Yeah. Without penalty. Without and, and so, attempt, you, you get taxed, but there's no 10% penalty. Yeah. Cause the normal rule at IRA, you have to be 59 and a half years old to take the money out without the 10% penalty. Now, when it comes to 401ks, as you said, Joe, you have to be 55 years old or older when you retire, but let's say you're 55 and you you retire at that point. So you've separated from service. Now you have access to the 401k. You will pay taxes on it like any any time, but there's not that penalty. So 55, you would have access to it. And the you know the 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 bigger the bigger question is what what kind of similar to another one we did today. Where's is, the money going to come from? Not what the investment's going to look like. Right, exactly. And and so first of all, it's it's like where where is your money right now? And then you then you got to figure out what what's the strategy to pull it out because based upon your income and based upon the tax brackets is is going to determine where you pull the money from. To give you an example, so for a married couple, the top of the 12% bracket is almost 90,000. Let's just say that taxable income. And so if your taxable income is 
is 70,000, then you probably want to take 20,000 out of your IRA, right? 401k, because it'll be taxed at a very low rate. And, and if you, if you manage your withdrawals, thinking about your tax bracket all the way through your retirement, you'll end up with a lot more dollars to spend because you've been smart on how you're taking it out. Okay. So because here's, here's what he's thinking. It sounds like anyway, from the email, it's like, all right, well here, I need cash on hand in same with the other question um, from um, Waukesha is like, okay, stable value fund versus my brokerage account versus cash. Well, I drained all my cash. So they're thinking of it as investment versus as an overall strategy. Right. So you first got to be looking at how much money do you need to live off of? And second, what is your part-time income going to be? So what is that demand for the portfolio? Right. And so your part-time income most likely is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates. Yeah. So let's say you want to live off of $100,000 a year and $50,000 is going to come from your part-time income. So you need to pull 50. All right. Well, the top of the 12% tax bracket is 70 plus your standard deduction of 90. So you could still pull money from your 401k and be still in a very low tax bracket or you convert, right? So you have to look at what the, how much money you have, what the fixed income sources are, what your tax bracket is. And then from there, you can start getting into the strategy of your glide path into CDs or a stable value fund or, you know, or, or cash itself or a money market. Right. And and so, yes, once you figure all that out, then it's like, and then where are your assets? Then you can figure out what the right investment strategy should be. And by the way, I don't think we've ever recommended keeping all your cash in the brokerage account. I, I mean, it depends on what, if you, if you have just enough for an emergency fund, sure. Right. But the, here, here's the truth is by the time you get to retirement, you've got to figure out where you're going to pull the money from. And if you're going to be pulling the money from your IRA, you want to make sure you, you have, have some safe, safety yeah, cash right. or bonds in your IRA or 401k so that you don't have to worry about the market tanking. Right while you're trying to pull money out. And, and so how much you keep in safety, well, that depends upon your withdrawal strategy because we like to say that you want to have at least five years of, of withdrawal money in safe assets in whatever pool that you're talking about. And here we're talking about 401k IRA, and then you can invest the rest. And some people, if they're really conservative, maybe 10 years, right? 10 years of, of cash or bonds inside whatever retirement account brokerage account, Roth IRA, depending upon where you pull the money from. And for those that are fortunate to have money in all three and they need a withdrawal from all three, you're going to have to have safety in all three. Now, you do want cash in your brokerage side and your non-retirement side for emergency cash. But other than that, just make sure you have some safety in the, in the, the accounts that you want to pull from. Yeah. And I think our definition of safety is cash, CDs, short-term bond, treasuries, you know, short duration, very, very high quality. Agreed. All right. Thanks for the question. Carlos from Tampa Bay. So what's next for stocks and bonds? Will the Federal Reserve finally tame inflation? And should investors be worried about regional banks? Register now for our free market update webinar, Wednesday, April 26th at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, with Pure Financial Advisors Executive Vice President and Chief Investment Officer, Brian Perry, CFP, CFA. Brian will explain the recent market volatility that we experienced in quarter one of 2023 and the outlook for the financial markets in Q2 and beyond. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes, then click on the webinar banner there in the free resources section to register for this free market update webinar. We got Josh from Boston, Massachusetts. 
Hi, Joe. Big Al. Love the show. Listen to it every Tuesday on my way to work. Amazing how you guys have that old-time radio feel. Oh. Yeah, old-time. Yeah, old-time. Yeah. Big Al's old. I was going to say we're old-timers, but... Got that young young time. What I really meant is I'm an (laughs) old-timer. Well, we've been doing this show for, listen, what, 20 years? 400 years. Yeah, it's been, yeah, more than 15 or less than 20, but somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, that's what close to means. But... <laughs> really? Yeah. Is that, what, that what it means? It means the exact minute. I need it to 17 and a half. 18. Uh, I used to live, listen to Don and Mike in the Junkies. That were big talk radio shows in D.C. in the early 2000s. Takes me back to those days. Oh, well, good. Don Hopefully Mike, that's a good thing. I didn't. Uh, we weren't aspiring to that, but I'm glad to hear yeah. that if you like them and you like us, that's a, that's a good thing. I got to start listening to Don, Mike, and the the junkies. I think that's they're probably long gone. You have to yeah. get the archives. Yeah, I suppose back in the 2000s. Yeah. Uh, my question is, I have access to a Roth traditional 403b, and I figured I knew which one to contribute to, but after receiving my tax refund this year, I'm not so sure. All right, 41, married, two kids. My wife's stay-at-home mother and doesn't draw an income. My W-2 last year was a total of $306,000. Due to my two kids, widened tax bracket from filing married and deducting mortgage interest, my effective tax percentage was 17.9%. Oh, look at Josh. Yeah, did, did the math. Just, that's, and that's usually taking... Your total tax and divide that into taxable income. That's where that number comes wow, from. The effective rate. Effective rate. Very impressive. Yes. Marginal tax bracket is in the 24%. Yeah, that's your highest bracket. That's, that's the one you use for planning, which I will probably get to in a minute. I received 10% gross match from my employer into a 401A. Current retirement account is 170000 My current 403B is 120. My 401A is, uh, let's see. 120k in the 401 sorry 120,000 in a traditional IRA $24,000 in a Roth 70k in the wife's old 403b all in all about 500,000 most in tax deferred accounts I'm unable to convert my traditional to Roth due to the erroneous tax hit enormous, enormous. oh that is enormous <laughs> error on my part Enormously erroneous. It's totally erroneous. An, an enormous error. Yeah, I thought I was killing that word too. <laughs> like, uh, from the pro rata rule. All right. Um, not necessarily. Yeah, I disagree with that too, but we'll get to that. Uh, given my already large tax deferred balances and my relatively low effective tax rate, does it make sense to switch my contributions to the Roth 403b, even though my income is higher than is recommended? Thanks. Also, I have a 2021 BMW X3 for the family car and get to and from work with a 2020 Hyundai Kona. Drink of choice. It's a little scotch. Neat. Josh. (laughs) You can picture that, right? Yeah, he's listening. He, he just yeah. wants the Don and the junkies back. Don and Mike were shock jocks, by the way. Oh. So he's comparing you guys to shock jocks. Perfect. All right. Great. <laughs> That's, is, was that our goal? It was. <laughs> no, we lived it. Now we can retire. <laughs> we uh, made it, finally. Yes. Uh, okay. So 
he's in the 24% tax bracket. Guy makes $300,000 a year. His effective rate is 18. Um, but, okay, he's got a 401A. And then he's got a 403B. And then he's got $120,000 in an IRA. Yep. Then he's got $24,000 in his Roth. And his wife has $70,000 in a 403B. So just call it 25000 in a Roth, 475 is in deferred. So he could convert his wife's 403B. Yes. And not have any pro rata rule. Right. Um, he could convert money from his IRA. I don't know if he has basis in his IRA, but there's no pro rata rule. Yeah. He's just going to be taxed at 24% on the amount that he converts. And if there is any basis, it's taxed less. Correct. Yeah, and if you if you go to Roth, it's it, we know it's taxed at twenty four percent, which I'm going to say, and I, you're going to agree with me, is a good rate. So go Roth. Go Roth. You're you're, you're forty one years old. Right. Your income's probably going to go up, and, and so the top the top of the twenty four percent bracket for a married couple is about three hundred sixty thousand. Right? So he's got room. He, I would convert and go Roth. I do. I get. I'd get to the top of the twenty four percent bracket, and I would. I would start by. By changing your contributions to Roth, number one, and number two, start converting your wife's old 403B so that you can do the backdoor Roth because she's got a lesser amount than you. Yep. I love it. Yeah. Start building the Roth. You're 41. You're, you're going to work for another 20 years. He's only making bank. $300,000 at 40? That's amazing. This guy's killing the game right, in Boston. Right. right. That's right? for sure. So good for you, Josh. Um, I know you have an enormous and erroneous tax bill, <laughs> but um, I think you go Roth. You I got a I think you're in a good bracket. Got Mike from Virginia. He goes, hey, Joe, Al, Andy, love the show. Been listening to it for a couple of years. Keep up the fantastic work. I was just with my cousin, Mike, from West Virginia. Oh, okay. Close. Yeah, very close. I've been listening to it. Okay, all right. I lost my place. I'm 35 years old and live in Virginia, working for a tech company as a senior project manager. Okay. Congratulations. Sounds like very important work. It sure does. Senior project. Senior. A lot of projects going on in that tech company. Right. I'm married, have a daughter, two and a half years old, another child on the way. Congrats. I'm making a base salary of $217,000 in bonuses paid out quarterly, depending on the utilization. So max compensation can go up to $255,000. Have $122,000 in cash, $150K in my brokerage account. 75 in a Roth, uh, 2.6 thousand and 529. It's putting a couple hundred bucks a month and about 160 in my 401k plan. Mix of pre tax and after tax converted to Roth. Okay, 26 thousand in e train account. That's for his RSUs and like stock purchase plan. Yeah, probably. Yep. 10 cash and little treasury I bonds. No one's, no one's asking about the treasury I bonds. No, that no. was last year's. Yeah. Now that CDs are better, you can only put 10,000 in I bond anyway. I'm seeking your spitball advice on whether or not I'm on track with my investments. Currently in my 401k pre-tax and after-tax, I'm 100% in the S&P 500, contributing 10% pre-tax and 12% to after-tax Roth. Okay. Okay. Okay, my brokerage account, I got a mix of some Vanguard funds, it looks like here. Little triple Qs. He's got Google, Apple, Microsoft. He's got... Uh, total market. Um, he's got some other stuff. I don't know what XLU is. Am I overcomplicating my investments or should I simplify my aim? Is 
my aim was to fund numerous sectors to offset market downturns, but may have overthought it. Well, of course, because you are a senior <laughs> project, project, manager. project manager. And that's that's what he does. He, yes. He you, thinks about this to make it make it work. Yeah. This is your project. And yeah, you, right. Yeah. You acted as a senior project manager with this. Right. Yeah, I think it's overkill a little bit. Um, couple things. Yeah, I got a couple things too, but you start. Okay. So he's 35 years old. Is he on track? Um, well, that's kind of the first step of your process is to say, okay, I'm making $250,000 a year. He's saving, I don't know, does he maxing out his 401k? Let's say he spends $150,000 a year. Right. You got two kids. Do you want to increase your lifestyle when you retire? Do you want to decrease it? What does this look like? Do you want to maintain? You're going to stay in Virginia. You're going to move somewhere more expensive, less expensive. I don't know. So there's no planning in any of the questions, right? It's what investments. It's like, how my investments? I got Microsoft. Do you like Microsoft? Well, sure. I love Microsoft. Yeah, I like Google too. I like all your Vanguard funds. But let's start with the planning first to determine what the portfolio should look like. What target rate of return do you need? You know, if you want to go all stocks, then yeah, I think at 35, you can have maybe 90% stocks, 100% stocks. Yeah, you probably want a little bit of fixed income just to help you rebalance. If the stock market goes down, bonds usually go up or cash goes up. That gives you a little bit more cushion to buy more stocks when markets are down. But to be honest, I, I got a couple of bucks and you know, we've been doing this show for 20 years. Our firm manages $5 billion and I have three mutual funds. <laughs> You know, I got a total stock market fund. I got a total international fund and I got some fixed income. Right. So it's, you can keep it as simple as that. And I bet you, you know, you're going to get a really good target rate of return. Um, if you want to sex it up and buy all these sector funds, <clears throat> by all means, if you really enjoy doing it, but did you overthink it with the amount of money that you have? I think so. Right. So I've got a couple comments. One is... Uh, at uh, at your salary now and the way tax rates are i'd, I'd probably go um i'd go i'd go roth instead of uh pre-tax because he's 24 percent or 22 probably either 22 or 24 both are good rates so i i would switch to roth on your on your uh 401k and second thing is um yeah i think these investments are all fine and some people enjoy picking stocks and tracking them i don't it's not my thing right that here's the good and bad about picking individual securities and you've got google and apple and or uh, and microsoft looks like qqq is that qualcomm no someone else no those are the triple q's yeah anyway it's a basket it's a BTF. Is, is it okay all right well so so i would just say this when you pick individual companies they have the same expected return as any other stock in the market it's just that the variability of returns is a lot greater mm-hmm. so you can make a lot more and you can lose a lot more now at age 35 um is that what he is yeah uh, yeah yeah then why not if if you enjoy that you know my dad lived till he was 90 and he enjoyed picking stocks and and so be it as long as you you understand you're taking more risk by by investing in individual securities i also agree with joe you can invest in three 
mutual funds, right? Total stock market. And then you got all the sectors in one fund. You can invest in an international fund. So you got international. By the way, international has underperformed US market for the last decade, but it it flops. And, you know, 2000 to 2010, it was exactly the opposite, which is why you want to have some of each. And then you have a bond fund, total bond fund, just so you have some safety. But at age 35, that can be small or even zero if you want. Just just let it run. Yeah. I, I mean, if you want to take on risk, go small value companies. You can go emerging market value type companies and you can buy the ETF or, or a mutual fund that will give you a higher expected return long term. Right. Yeah. Just because there's a ton of risk there. Yeah. And if you want to put some money in individual stocks at 35, why not? But yeah. hold them for the long term. Right. Because yeah, the yeah. best the best investment you can possibly make is one individual stock or one individual company. And the worst investment you can possibly make is one individual yeah, stock. Because the variability returns. By the way, I have our company manage my funds, and I probably have 12 or 14 funds just because there's small company, mid caps, small caps, growth value. There's international emerging markets. There's alternative investments. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff. And if you want to have a little bit of each of those, great. But you can do this in three investments if you want. Sure. Oh, one. La- I, I'm sorry, Andy. We're blowing this thing. In. <laughs> Instead of going sectors, I, I like to look at price. So instead, hey, I want to load up on consumer staples or technology. You might want to look at okay, growth versus value. Yeah. Right. So growth stocks, you want to buy baskets of growth stocks, and you want to be diversified from that by buying value stocks. And you know, growth stocks versus value stocks have to do with price to book ratios. And I'm sure. not going to get too <laughs> in depth there. But you but can look. But say, they're cheaper. You know, they're, they're on sale. Then you want to go smaller companies versus larger companies. Right. I think that's a better way to look at diversification versus trying to bet on an individual sector. Me too. All right. Hopefully that helps. Got Michael writes in from, I don't know, says, Dear Joe and Al, I work for my local city government and I contribute to my 457 deferred compensation plan. There's some aspects of it that I don't understand. I want to get your perspective, some details. I make $38 an hour for gross pay of $3,000, 38 hours times 80 hours per paycheck. Contribute uh, $740 per paycheck pre-tax to my 457 plan, roughly 24% of my gross pay. 2022, I contributed a total of 18800 I believe the max was 20500 My city's 457 defined contribution plan does not include an employer match on contributions. No city funds are contributed to participant accounts. I'm 28 years old and I've been with my city job for over three years. My first contribution appeared on my second paycheck as a city employee. I will receive a pay raise later this month and another one in June. On a personal note, I contribute the max of my Roth IRA as well. This guy is a hell of a saver. Yeah, I'll say. That's that's very good, Michael. I am assuming. God, you just sounded like his father. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I am, just I am want a, to pat you on the back. I am a father. And this guy's 28, so he could be El's son. I've got a father of a I'm a father of a 32 and 30 year old. So I can I can relate. Yeah, you're like, oh, I wish my kids could save like you. <laughs> I am unsure of the following. Whether in to increase my dollar amount contribution. Okay. Like he wants to take advantage of the full 
Um, so his pay is going to increase. I would just keep the same contribution and then just wait till closer to the end of the year to see kind of where you fall. And then if you need to increase your contribution limits by then to max it out, that's what I would do. Yeah, because it's pretty close anyway. You've got it. I'd like to contribute uh, the max eventually, but I don't know if that should be a priority right now. Oh, Michael, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> My tune has changed. Wow, you sounded just like a father there, Joe. You you were such a golden child. What did I teach? (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Yeah, I get it, man. You're saving a ton. Um, You know, I I would keep what you're doing now and then just see the same answer to the second question. Funny thing about that. (laughs) Well, here's we want, we would like everyone to aspire to saving 20% of their income. And he's already at 30. Yeah, yeah, twenty four plus, plus the Roth. Roth. Yeah, we'll call it thirty percent. It's like that's amazing. Yeah, you'll be able to retire early and and have a great lifestyle. Yeah, so make make sure you enjoy life too. Yeah, and then let's see what what what, what what's the third one? Whether uh, to change contributions from pre tax to post tax. I believe time is on my side, but I want to be sure. Am I on the right track? Appreciate your time and feedback. Sincerely, Michael. Um, I would, Michael. I would go one hundred percent Roth. Uh, agreed because you're in a low enough bracket it's the tax benefits not that great and to have what 30 40 years of tax-free growth <laughs> amazing you're not going to think about the the tax benefits when t- 30 years from now yeah you're going to be very happy you, you maxed out the rough you're, you're going to be so happy that you got this giant pool of money that is 100 percent tax-free right so uh yeah very good that's um yeah that's, uh, that's Michael's saver saver of the month. Yeah, I was going to say star of the show. Killed yeah, it. <laughs> Download the free Your Money Your Wealth Guide to Growing Your Wealth from the podcast show notes for a deeper dive on the deliberate steps you can take to grow your wealth. Take a look at the big picture, set up your financial goals and strategy, then explore the investing options to get you to a successful retirement. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app. Go to the show notes, download that Growing Your Wealth Guide, subscribe to YMYW on YouTube, and share the podcast and the free financial resources with your friends, family, colleagues, and whoever else you can think of. I got John from uh, Powhatana. I think it's Powhatan. 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 Yeah, that sounds right, Andy. That, I googled. That's, that's I googled. <laughs> Virginia. Those greetings. When I first read, looked at that, Joe, I thought it might be Po Po Watton. Powhatan. I, I, thought, I, I thought it was Powhatan. Yeah. <laughs> Powhatan. Powhatan. Yeah, Powhatan sounds right. But right. You're, you're saying it's Powhatan? According to, to the internet, it's Powhatan. Okay. Oh, Powhatan. Okay. Greetings, Big Alan Joe. Hope all of you are not floating away out there in California with got some rain out here. We have recently. It's been sunny lately. Yeah, it's been nice. We'll probably probably wrote this like two months ago right let's just get to it sorry sorry john um with the current banking scare i was just curious if you could clear up some confusion about fdic insurance okay banking scare should we talk about that at all or is it like old news no, we should. I mean, I think everyone needs to understand FDIC insurance rules. And- well, I understand that, but the banking scare. Uh, do, oh, do, do I, you? How many people do you think really understand how banks make money? Or, you know, maybe now a lot more people understand that. Yeah. Because yeah. So, w- when you go to deposit your money in a bank, right, they don't have a big vault with all this cash in it. Yeah, they 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 use 
90% ish, right. To invest in, in loans. Right. And, and so they make, they loan the money out at currently, let's call it 7%. They pay you four or, or whatever, whatever the spread that they want, that's how they're making money. And so what happens, I guess we will talk about it. What, what happens and we're not banking experts, but my understanding is when people hear about an issue with a bank and its solvency, then they flock to the bank to pull out cash and they've only got, and I don't know the exact amount, let's just say 10% reserves, right? And so if 40% of the account holders want to withdraw their money, it's a problem because they only have about 10% on hand or what, whatever the number is. So that that's that's what happens. It, it happened to Silicon Valley Bank and others, and I'm probably way oversimplified it. We're just being top level, but that's kind of how this well, works. Well, look at, you know, A Wonderful Life. Remember that movie? Yeah. Right? Sure. You know, George, and everyone kind of was like, here, I need my cash. I need my money. It's a run yeah. on the bank. It's a run on the bank. But right. then I, I think people freaked out a little bit because first off, Silicon Valley Bank, and I'm uh, we're high level, and I think everyone that listens to the show knows that we're just talking out of our you know one half the yeah. time, yeah. right? But a lot of the money that's deposited there is like VC money, right? Silicon Valley stuff, yeah, yeah, right. And so they've had massive, massive, massive deposits, and they had all of this cash sitting on hand, and they're like, well, what the hell do we do with all of this right. cash? We got to figure something out. Yeah. So they bought treasuries. But then they were looking for yield and interest rates were at all time lows. So they went a little bit long on the yield curve and they bought like 10 year treasury. So it's a little bit longer in duration. So when interest rates spiked up, the bond value drops, but it's still guaranteed if you hold it to maturity. Right. Right. And then you get all these Silicon boys out there and saying, hey, well, this is going on with this bank. And all of a sudden they run on the bank and then they're asking for, you know, huge, huge deposits back. And they're like, guys, what the hell are you doing? You're killing me. We don't got it. And it blew them up. Yeah, that's you know? right. So, yeah, sh should they have been more responsible? Absolutely. Should they have risk management kind of in place to take a look at this? Sure. But when you're getting $95 billion in deposits a day, it seemed like. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it was like kind of a little bit different time in these VC firms with, with interest rates so low. It was like, well, what the hell? It's almost free money. Right. And then interest rates spike up. It's like, hey, maybe we need a little bit of cash back. Things are getting tightened a little bit here. Yep. Maybe cash flow doesn't. So I don't think the whole banking industry is going to blow up. No, but no. we got a ton of questions on, oh, my God, is my money saved? And they had billions of dollars. Most people don't have like 30000 in the bank. <laughs> right. So FDIC insurance insures your money up to 250,000. Right, right. And I think that the question talks about is it so the uh John has $750,000 and and so should he go to three banks or if there's more than one beneficiary do you get 250,000 per beneficiary which usually happens Joe when you have a living trust. So you have a living trust, let's say you and your wife have a living trust and you have three kids and all three are beneficiaries. So the way that this works is that the the $250,000 uh, FDIC uh, insurance is on each beneficiary, not you. It's actually the kids. So three kids. So times 250,000, 750,000 is the FDI insurance on a single account uh, at, at, well, at total accounts at this bank, right? Now, if you have, and that's true if you have five or more beneficiaries, so you can get up to a million two fifty. If you have more than five, then there's, a possibility you might get some protection a very complicated calculation i wouldn't count on it though so so if you have a living trust that has 
10 beneficiaries, then you're probably only going to get five of them, right? Which is 250,000 each. So that's how it works with a living trust. Clear as mud. (laughs) I think it's clear. Yeah, John, long time listener. Uh, go dogs. That's the Georgia Bulldogs. Yes. In case you're wondering. Yes, yes, I know that. Yeah, me too. Question from Joan from Long Island, New York. Yeah, I'm 64. My husband's 61. Both of our incomes have decreased to about half. We have no pensions, but saved in 401ks. Since it's our plan to live off these savings, I'm thinking of rolling it all into several IRA accounts at banks that are FDIC insured. We want to retire at 65 when each of us qualify for Medicare. Fortunately, we have no debt or mortgage, but New York is highly taxed. Thanks for your insight and laughs, Joan. Got a question in there, Joan? (laughs) I think she wants to see if we agree with her thought of rolling all her IRAs into bank accounts. Sure. For FDIC insurance. (laughs) Sure. Well, so I'll say today, sure. Uh, Two years ago when you were getting 0.03? No. Well, it depends on what rate of return she needs. <laughs> yeah, usually you need more than 0.03 Probably. there. True. <laughs> right? It's like, again, you have to do a little bit of planning. So when they hear the banks or you hear yeah, this I or know. you hear that, it's like the soup du jour. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like, oh, my gosh, interest rates. Folks, this is not the first time we've had interest rates at <laughs> 7%. <laughs> Oh, uh, stable value funds or you know money market accounts paying four or five percent. That wasn't that long ago when, it, but yeah. interest rates were at all time lows for a, a, a very long time. Yeah, and so we sort of forgot. I remember my dad got a CD in the early '80s, and it it paid like eighteen percent, fourteen percent, maybe sixteen, but some some ridiculous thing. And he he was kind of kicking himself that he didn't put more money in because interest rates drop, which they generally would when they get that high. Sure. So will interest rates go back down? Sure. Will interest rates go higher? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But it's again, it, you know, when Netflix is up a hundred percent, where do people like to put their money? Or Amazon? Yeah. Or and often it's too late. It's up. Right? Yeah. So so another way to think about this is, as Joe said, to just ex- elaborate. So you gotta you gotta do a little bit of planning to figure out what rate of return you need in your portfolio to figure out how to invest it. And if four percent is the right number, then absolutely this go is, into hundred percent guaranteed FDIC insurance products because then you will accomplish your goals. But if you need six percent, you're gonna run short. Inflation's yeah. gonna outpace it. You're gonna run out of money potentially. So you right. just have to do the planning to figure out what investment strategy you need. Exactly. Yep. Well, that's it. All right. Well, very good. Um, hey, keep your questions coming in. Uh, appreciate everything. Want to say um, thanks to Big G. Saw him um, over the past weekend. He covered for you, Big Al, when you were on safari <laughs> or whenever that was. Okay. But well, yeah, that's good. He's a caddy up at a uh, little little club in Monterey, and yeah, able to take the family to Monterey over the weekend and play like a little it. golf. And, like it. Yeah. yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Super. It's a wrap. That's a wrap. We'll uh, see you all next time. Show's got your money well. Help new listeners find YMIW by leaving us your honest reviews and ratings for Your Money, Your Wealth in Apple Podcasts, as well as any other podcast app that accepts them, like Amazon, Audible, CastBox, Good Pods, Pandora, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podknife, Spotify, and Stitcher. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com 
or you can call 888-994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are pretty good that one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies that will help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.